We are officially kicking off the, 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 the series Blank Like Jesus, and I cannot tell you how exciting this is. Like, I am so pumped for this series. I'm so excited for what's going to happen. Um, I, I, it's, it's just something that I'm just really, really excited about as we, as we started working through and walking through and all of this stuff. And over the course of this series, we're going to, hopefully, the, the idea is that we're, gonna, we're going to discover what it means to live and be like Jesus. And this is a perfect, a perfect follow-up to our Transform series that we just came out, out, of, out of a couple weeks ago. And for a lot of us, when we make the decision to, to, to find something and to be transformed, to, to, to allow God to do something in, inside of us, a lot of the time, that is like, it's, it's a very real thing. It's a very real moment. It's, it, it's, it's a decision that we made that is, that is a very legit, life-changing thing. But so often, if we're honest... After a couple of days or weeks or months or whatever, the thing that transformed us, that, 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 that passion that we had, it begins to fade. And suddenly we're left with a knockoff version of whatever it was that transformed us from the beginning. And so over the next couple of weeks, as we're going to be looking at what it means to live like Jesus, and I, I'm so excited. And so if, 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 if you're relatively new to Christianity, if, if, if you're relatively new to this faith in Jesus, what better way is there to, or what better series is there to jump in on at the very beginning as we begin to talk through this? If you're someone that maybe you've been a part of the church for a very long time, my hope is that this would be a series that we use that we can look back on as a time that allowed us to refocus our hearts and our minds back on Jesus. And right now, if you're someone who um, may, maybe you wouldn't consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus, maybe you're not someone who's, who, who's in that area and you're probably not even thinking about it. And if, if that's the case, my prayer for you is that over the course of the next several weeks that maybe you'll just give Jesus a real look. And the real Jesus. But maybe you'll just give him a look for the first time. And so as we started working through this series, and we started like planning and thinking about it, I was reminded of a quote by Gandhi that says, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. They are so unlike your Christ. And this is a haunting reality for the American church, in my, in my opinion. This is a haunting reality of our church. The big C church. And the reality is that there are a lot of people who would say that same thing. There are a lot of people who like the idea of Jesus like that. that, that that's a good thing. I like I, I like that. I like the things that he talked about I and mean, a lot of what we talked about last week. But unfortunately, we as little Christs, we we don't do a good job. If we were to look at the life of Jesus, like the, the, the life that he lived in the Bible, if we looked at the things that he did. If we, if we looked at the things that he said, or the things that he was about, or the things that he was against, we would pale in comparison. I mean, obviously, like, it's Jesus. Of, of, of course we would. Like, the, no, no, duh. But we would, we would pale in comparison. So, why do our lives, as followers of Jesus, why do our lives look so unlike our Christ's? And as we begin this conversation, I'm going to kind of tell you where we're headed and walk us through that. And then hopefully by the end of, the, the end of this message, that it'll all, it'll all just make sense, okay? Okay, cool. So today, the question that we're going to be working through is, what does it mean to love like Jesus? What does it mean 
to love like Jesus? What does it even look like? Now, if, if, if you have put your faith in Jesus, if, if, you have, if you have taken the steps to be made right with God, I'm going to say something kind of maybe a little bold, maybe not, but, but you are a minister. You, you are a minister of the gospel. Your first job is not necessarily the one that you get paid for. Your first job is to, is, is, is to be the person that you were created or designed to be. You are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Called to take this, this message of hope and good news to, to the ends of the world. And I believe that the the church has fallen captive to this idea that ministry is only for those that get paid for it. It's only for the people that that, that are getting paid to be in the church world. But here's the reality, okay? I don't know your circles. I, I don't hang out with your extended family. I don't live in your neighborhood. Unless, in fact, I do, but I don't, I, I don't live in your neighborhood. I don't work where you work. And so I don't know your circles. So who's taking the gospel of Jesus to them? Who is showing them the love of the Father? Who is exposing them to the life-changing grace of the one who exploded from the grave? Who's going there? We are all ministers of the gospel. So that's why this series is so important. That's why this series matters so much because it's not, it, it, it's, it's not enough to just learn about the things of Jesus. We, we must do the things of Jesus. If we want to change the world, like, like so many of us say we do, we need to allow Jesus to radically change our lives. For today, we're going we're gonna to look at a story uh, that has haunted me for a long time. Like in a good way, I guess. Uh, and so my, my hope for today is that you are now haunted as well by this story. So there you go. I've just said that up front. I hope you're haunted. Um, so John chapter 4. John chapter 4, it says, verse 1, When Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went again to Galilee. Um, he, he had to travel through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, she asked him. For Jews do not associate with, a Samarit- or with Samaritans. And Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who is, who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket. And the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? And he gave us this well, and he drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. 
Verse 13, Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Sir, the woman said to him, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. Go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. I don't have a husband, she answered. You have correctly said, I do not have a husband, Jesus said, for you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus told her, believe me, woman, an hour is coming when when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, and we worship what we do know, because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming in the hour and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus told her, I, the one, you sp- the one speaking to you, am he. And just then his disciples arrived and they were amazed that he was talking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? And then the woman left her water jar, went into the town and told the people, come and see the man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? So for for some context for this story, um, Israel is just 260 miles from north to south. It's not a very, it's not a very big country. It's not a very big territory. And then within this, in this day, there were three very definitive territories. You had at the very top, you had Galilee. At the, at the southern end was Judea. And then in the middle was Samaria. And because of the centuries-old feud between the Israelites and the Samaritans, traveling Israelites had a decision to make. Do we go through Samaria or do we go around Samaria? And going around doubled the length of their trip. And so you were, also you were forced to cross the Jordan River twice. And so verse, says, says, verse 4 said he had to travel. Obviously, Jesus didn't have to do anything. I mean, he did do whatever he wants to. He's Jesus. But it says that he had to travel. And I believe he had to go through Samaria because he was just really interested in going the quickest way. <laughs> And so they get to the town of Sychar where Jacob's well is. And they get there around noon. And then in verse 8, it says that the disciples headed into town to buy food, which please do not miss this. The disciples headed into town to buy food. Just a few short weeks ago, these disciples, these very Jewish men, would have never stepped foot in a Samaritan town, let alone went into this town to buy food. But even this shows that little by little, maybe even subconsciously, when you you have been around Jesus, when you have been in personal contact with Jesus, walls and barriers begin to come down. But the woman says, or the the woman, she shows up here around noon, which this is important as well for us to understand kind of what's happening in this day and age and what's going on in ancient Palestine maybe even anywhere in this, in this time. But the women, they would go to the well in the morning to get water, water that they would need for the day. And so they would get there in the morning and they would, that's where they would see their 
friends and have their gossip. I mean, I, maybe, I don't know, but that, 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 that's where that would take place. And that's when, when that would happen. And you would have like, you would have like, some of them would say, I cannot believe that my son walked into the house with those muddy sandals. What was he thinking? Or you would have others that would say, can you believe that my husband said he didn't see the dishes that were dirty in the sink? Or whatever it was that they would gossip about, but that's where that would take place. They would be gossiping there in the morning together while they were drawing water. And so whatever it was that happened, it happened there at the well in the morning. But this woman, this woman got there around noon after everyone was gone. She showed up after everyone was gone. She was wanting and hoping to be unseen. She was hoping to be unnoticed, hoping to stay under the radar. But she shows up at the well, the same well that the Holy One of God was sitting at. If you want to be unnoticed and if you want to be uh, unseen and maybe not talked to, talk about bad luck, (laughs) right? Like of, of all the wells, you had to choose this one. And Jesus says something interesting to her. He says, give me a drink. And the tricky part about this is that Jews didn't speak to Samaritans. And men weren't supposed to speak to a woman without their husband being there. And religious people definitely should not be caught speaking to shady women. And so this was all that was taking place. And and, and Jesus, he was willing to toss out the rules. Jesus was willing to toss out the rules. He was willing to show this woman that there is an incredible difference between a religion and a relationship. Jesus, he, he was willing to show her something different. She, like this woman, she knew the rules of the Jewish religion. And you can tell what she said. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She focused on the law. But Jesus focused on grace. And the example that we get from Jesus here is actually pretty simple. It's actually a pretty simple thing that we'll, we'll talk through. And in, in, in my opinion, it's, 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 it's fairly straightforward. We see in Matthew chapter 15, it says that Jesus, that, that Jesus said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And, and here's what I believe that this means. It, it means that this town, a Samaritan village, was not on Jesus' radar for ministry. This place was not on Jesus' radar for ministry. It's like when you get on an airplane, Right? You're standing there in the jetway, like in, in, in a line, and the first thing you do is put your headphones in, trying to make it very clear to everyone around you that you're not looking for a conversation. Like, um, I don't need any more friends. I have enough friends. I don't need to be fake friends with you for the next couple of hours. So I'm just going to put my headphones in, pretend to sleep until we land, and then maybe we can exchange some pleasantries after we land. But for sure, not before that moment, because I have enough friends and I don't need one more. Jesus, Jesus took the opportunity that was placed before him to offer life. Sure, he was there to get water, but he offered so much more in an instant. 
Jesus, he was able to switch the conversation from one of, of physical, everyday life to eternal, everlasting life. He was able to switch it very quickly and seamlessly. And so the example, the example that we get, what we find from Jesus is pretty simple. And today we're going to spend a couple of minutes looking at three things and three ways that we can pull from this story on how to love like Jesus. And so the first one, the first one, be present. Be present. All throughout the the Gospels, we see story after story after story of Jesus being present. And not like present in the fact of like, well, he's the main character and so clearly he's present. But no, like present like... Like he's really, really there. Present like he's mentally, emotionally there. The woman at the well wouldn't have thought twice if Jesus never said a word to her. She, it, it never would have crossed her mind as something that is, a, that is a big deal. And customs said that he shouldn't speak to her. The religious elite would not have spoken to her. But Jesus did. Jesus did have a conversation with her. He, 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 he did pursue her in some capacity. A few years ago, Singular came out with a commercial of you have a bunch of people staring down at their phones look like as they're walking around, like they're just staring at their phones, kind of going about their day. And, and, and the commercial ends with a guy walking into a glass door. And then the lines come up on the screen that says, wherever you are, that's where you are. So be there. Can I be honest for a minute? It's oftentimes easier to not be fully present. Most of the time, it's easier to not be fully present. It's easier for me to put my headphones on and ignore the world around. It's easier to look out my windows to make sure that none of my neighbors are outside before I go check my mailbox. It's often easier to ask someone how they're doing when you know that they're only going to say good. It's almost like it's turned into a greeting. Like, how are you? That suddenly means the same thing as, hi. It's, now it's shallow and it's hollow. Sometimes, Sometimes we should actually pray for people instead of saying, I'll pray for you. Stop the conversation right then and pray for them right then. Because if we don't allow, if we don't allow these people to feel like they matter, if we're, if we're not noticing what's going on around us, if we're not fully present, then we will never be able to love like Jesus. And this isn't what we see from Jesus. Jesus was, he was present. He was there. He asked for a drink of water and he was probably actually really like seriously thirsty. Like he probably really needed a drink of water. But, 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 but even then he was aware of his circumstances. He was aware of the things that were going on around him. He didn't turn the law on the woman. He entertained her conversation. He entertained what, what was happening and he offered her a new story. He offered her a better story. How many stories are being missed because no one is interested in them? How many stories are out there that no one is hearing? 
because no one's asking? How many stories do we miss because we're not fully present? There's another example that we see from Jesus in Mark chapter 5. It says, while he was on, on his way to go heal a child, uh, he, there was this massive crowd of people, and they were bumping into him, and there were people all around him. And, and so Jesus is on his way, and then this, this woman who had been suffering from bleeding for 12 years, while, while she's dealing with these things, she believes that her only hope to be healed is Jesus. And so as, as Jesus is going through the crowd, she fights through the crowd as well, and she reaches out and she touches his garment. And Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped right there and he said, who touched me? And his disciples were like, everyone? Ev- everyone has touched you? And he's like, no, no, this, this was different. Th- th- this is different. Power has escaped me. This was a different thing. He stopped. He was present. My mentor, he said uh, millions of times, but he, he's, he's always said something to me that says, walk slowly through the crowd. Walk slowly through the crowd. You never know what a conversation, what a smile, what, what a high five. What, 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 you, you never know what people are dealing with that are, that are around you. And so he says, walk slowly through the crowd. Be present. Be present. And so Jesus, he, he addressed this woman. He met her where she was. He talked about her needs. He let her know that he wasn't too busy for her brokenness. He wasn't too busy for her pain. He wasn't too busy for, for the things that were, that were bothering her. And so are you present in the lives of your neighbors? Are you present in the lives of, of the people that you work with? Are you present at home? Be present. The second thing, walls are meant to come down. Walls are meant to come down. For the disciples, the feud between the Samaritans and the Jews, it wasn't a new thing. It wasn't something new. Like This is something that had began nearly 500 years before this. Jews didn't associate with Samaritans. It just didn't happen. Unless, obviously, you were walking around with Jesus, then anything was possible. But for the most part, this didn't happen. In the law, they actually said um, that, that rabbis are not allowed to speak to women in public. And so you have that as well. You, you, you have the feud, but then also the law says, uh, rabbis, you're not allowed to speak to these women in public. Many rabbis wouldn't even speak to their wife or their daughter or, or their sister in public because if you were caught speaking to a woman, it could ruin your reputation. There's this entire group of rabbis called the bruised and bleeding rabbis because even if they saw a woman in public, if they just saw a woman in public, they would either like put their head down, close their eyes, or turn their head, and they, would, they were walking into walls and walking into buildings because they didn't want to be associated with the, with the women back then. But Jesus spoke to her. He initiated this conversation. And not only was she a woman, but she was a woman with a notorious character. No, no decent man, let alone a religious man, would ever have been caught in her company. But Jesus spoke to her. 
when we enter into a real relationship with Jesus, when, when, we, when we step into this real relationship with Jesus, we should find ourselves in situations and places that we never believed that we would have ever been. We should find ourselves having conversations with people that, that we, we never imagined that we would be having those conversations. And like the disciples, they probably never thought that they would be buying food from a Samaritan McDonald's. But here they are. And that's because if you're going to take the gospel to the very ends of the world, we may find ourselves with people that are, that are very, very different from us, that think different things than we do. Maybe they look at the world differently than we do. But if we're going to allow Jesus to, to, to change us and to, to radically transform us, we should find ourselves in those situations. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing because walls are meant to come down. As people who have put their faith in Jesus, our lives should be marked by love. Our lives should be marked by love, not by walls. And if they aren't, then we probably have a knockoff version of Jesus. We probably are, we're probably not believing or reading about the real Jesus. And so our lives should be marked by love. Now, there, there, there was something about Jesus that, that, that the woman wanted to carry on a conversation, right? Like, she, she, she could have ended the conversation, and she probably tried to. She tried to make it about religion. And, and, and it probably wouldn't have been the first conversation that she had ended with a man. But this man was different. This conversation was different. And even when she tried turning the conversation back to religion, Jesus showed her a relationship, and he showed her something that she had never experienced in her whole life in her religion. And Jesus offered living water, and she assumed that it was actual water. She took it literally. She didn't understand. All she could think about was, but that this is, this is Jacob's well. He dug this. Even he drank from it. Who does this guy think that he is? Is he better than our father Jacob? But Jesus offered her something that would never run out, something that would create a spring inside of her, and she would never be thirsty again. And she was like, of course. Of course I want this. Of, of, of course I want that kind of water. And she starts thinking, like, I would never have to come to the well again. She would never be reminded that publicly and socially she didn't fit in. Of course she wanted that. That sounded, that sounded perfect. She still didn't get it, though. Because the lifetime of walls that had been built between this, the, the, the Jews and the Samaritans and, and, and this, this woman and, and, and men, it blocked her vision. The lifetime of walls caused her to not be able to see anything else. But Jesus began chipping at the wall. He began to remove the wall. Now the last thing. People matter. People matter. I remember the first time that uh, my wife, Laura, asked me um, where I thought the people in the airplane above us, where they were headed. I was like, I have no idea. Never in my whole life has this ever been a, something that I would think about. Where are the people in that airplane headed? I have no idea. Why, why would that even matter to me? 
But Lara believes that, that those people have a story. Lara believes that, that, they, that maybe those people were headed home. Maybe they were going on vacation. Or maybe they were flying home to say goodbye to a loved one. But Lara believes with all that she has within her that, that every single person has a story that's worth sharing. All people. Not just the people that we know, but everyone has a story that's worth sharing. My wife believes that in the deepest part of the deepest part of her, that people matter. Some stories they they they're, they're stories that bring hope. Some stories bring encouragement. But oftentimes, when we find when we're listening to the stories of people, we 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 find heartache and despair. Maybe sometimes we're hurt by these stories. But all stories matter to God. And it's because of that that I want to live the life as as, as someone who invites people in. I want to invite people in. I I, I want to be approachable. I I, I want people to to know that their story matters to me. I, I, I want to listen and truly hear to their stories because not only do those stories matter to God, but they also matter to the people that are telling the stories. I want to be approachable. In Acts 26, uh, Paul is standing before King Agrippa, and he's been told to give a defense for, um, for why he's been proclaiming about the gospel. Give a defense for this. And instead of defending himself, Paul stands up there and he just tells his story. He says, this, this is who I was, and now this is who I am, and, and this, is why, this is why I'm proclaiming about the gospel, because I, I, I can't do anything else. And so he tells his story, and not only does he tell his story to the king, and he knows his story, not only does he tell his story to the king, but to every other person that's standing there. And so I brought it up earlier. I, I, it's, I, how are you is not the same thing as hello. Let's be intentional. Let's, let's, let's actually value people. Let's actually love people the way that Jesus did. Are you warm? Are you inviting? Do people, are people drawn to you? Are you noticing the hurt in the people's eyes that you're having a conversation with? Or maybe just the people that you're walking by. Or maybe the person that's bagging your groceries. Would people just tell you their story like they would Jesus? When you look at someone, try looking beyond their physical appearance. And recognize and realize that Jesus died for them too. Thomas Jefferson, he, uh, I'm going to tell the story about Thomas while we wrap up, but during his presidency, there's a story about him and a group of friends that they, 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 they wanted to go across the country on this trip riding on the backs of horses. How terrible does that sound, right? Um, but they, they wanted to do this, and, and so they're going on a cross-country horseback ride. And they get to this area, they get to a river that the river had flooded and it, it had knocked the bridge out. And so, like, there was an issue that they had to figure out. Like, well, do we go back home or do we try to figure out another way around this or through this? And so they decided that they were going to ford the river on horseback. 
And the right, and, and, and this man, like after a few of the guys made it, this this man, this stranger, comes walking up, and he asks Thomas Jefferson if he could, if Thomas would um, um, ferry him across the river on his horse. And without hesitation, Thomas Jefferson said, "Yeah, absolutely, climb on up, partner." And so he hops up, and they, they, they make it to the other side. And, and there on the other side, as he's climbing off of the horse, as, he, as he's getting down, like one of the guys said, said to the man, he said, how come you asked the president to ride on his horse? And the guy, like, shocked. He's, he's like, I had no idea. I'm, I'm really sorry. I, I had no idea that he was the president. I came walking up, and, and, and I, I was just looking at some of your faces, and some of you had the face of a no. But others of you had a yes face. And this man had a yes face. So I asked him, do you have a yes face? Do you have a yes face? Are people drawn to you? Are you welcoming? Are you inviting? Do people feel like they matter to you? Do people believe and feel like, like, like they're loved by you? Do they sense the love of Jesus in you? What if? What if we acted like people matter? <laughs> what if we acted like people matter to us? What if we loved people, regardless of what they look like, regardless of where they've come, regardless of what their social status is, regardless of their faults, their, their mess-ups, or their decisions? What if we were marked by the way we love again? If you want to be like Jesus, then start loving like Jesus loved. Jesus was far more interested in the people that were not like him than those that were. Bob Goff, he, uh, he tweeted out recently, it said, quit waiting for permission to do what you were made for. Go love everybody. Quit waiting for permission to, 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 to be sent to go do something. Quit, quit waiting for the permission to go do those things. Just, just go love everybody. What if we, the church, what if we were known by the way that we loved again? if we were known by the way we love. If I speak with human eloquent and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all of his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. There is nothing in the world that is stronger than love. It's what sent Jesus to the cross. This was still changing lives and, 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 and communities and families today. So be present. 
everything that you can to knock down walls and live like people matter. I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. They're so unlike your Christ. Let's go fix that. Let's start today to fix that. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you for who you are. And I thank you for what you're about. And I thank you for loving me when I don't deserve it. God, I pray that, that, that I would be known by my love. I pray that our church would be known by the way we love. I pray that people feel like they matter when they have conversations with us. God, we love you. We give you all of the glory and all of the honor. 